Sales Love Nation. It's your host, Tyler Lindley. Today, I have Gabriella Cuevas on the podcast. Hey, Gabriella, how you doing? Hey, hey, Tyler. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Gabriella goes by Gabby, so you'll probably hear me call her Gabby. She is the Director of Strategic Accounts at Vendition. Slam dunk role every day. Gabby is an absolute rock star, and we're going to learn a lot from Gabby today on hiring best practices. So I know there's a lot of tech and startups out there listening to the podcast, a lot of leaders wondering, how the heck do I hire good sales talent? Gabby is really instrumental at Vendition on getting a lot of great talent in the door at a lot of really cool startups. Gabby, I guess I'm curious, as companies start to think about hiring their first few sales hires, what do they need to put together? What do they need to have in order to start that process of bringing on new good sales talent? Thanks so much for having me, Tyler. I'm so happy to be here and be a part of this conversation. I think sales recruiting is extremely critical to any organization. It's super necessary to get this right because your sales reps are on the forefront of your entire organization. They're representing your product, your brand, your organization. What I would say for what you need in order to make the first few successful sales hires is number one, just making sure as a recruiting team, or a sales team, you have your value prop down. Not only the product, but also the company, the culture, the leadership team, room for growth. Do you have your elevator pitch down about your organization? I think a lot of people forget that the interview process is a two-way street. Of course, the candidate is being interviewed and they have to represent and demonstrate their skill set, but also the company has to sell the opportunity. So I think having your elevator pitch down is necessary. I think second, having a quick, deep, detailed and efficient interview process. I can't emphasize this enough. I've seen so many solid candidates get swooped up because the interview process is too long or companies simply don't know how to move quickly. And this is really key. And then third, To piggyback off of the first point I made, I would say knowing how to close a candidate. Mm. This can be a strenuous and long process that not a lot of managers expect. They think, oh, I extend an offer. Of course, the candidate's going to accept. No, the closing process is one of the most important parts of the interview process overall. I think you need to know once you extend an offer that you got to woo them a bit. You got to be able to sell the candidate, connect them with people on the sales team, send texts, call them, congratulate them hype them up a bit. I would say if you have those three things down, you you will have a successful sales recruiting hiring process. Awesome. Love that. A lot to dig into there. You mentioned having your own company value prop, the elevator pitch, having a quick detailed interview process, and then closing the candidate as those three key buckets. How do you stand out within those buckets? So let's say you have those basics down. You've got those three things checked. How do you stand out from that company next to you? Because great talent is typically looking at more than one company, right, Gabby? Totally. That's a great question. I think it's important to be unique and stick out. I think there are so many tech companies, platforms out there. And so something that I've seen is how the recruiting team or the management team is treating that candidate. How are they treating them throughout the interview process? Are they treating them like a human or are they just another transaction? And I think being empathetic kind, diligent with feedback really, really goes the extra mile because when we're working on closing a candidate, the biggest thing that folks will say to me is, oh, I felt like it was just conversation. I didn't feel like I was in an interview. I felt like I was just chatting with the hiring manager. And so I think making them feel special and human and not just another 
person in their pool is how you can stand out and how you can be unique, despite you being the 100th cybersecurity company there. <laughs> exactly. And that's it's important. I'm glad you brought that up because candidates never forget how you make them feel. As companies, the company employer relationship, it's really about how do we make our employees feel? How do we make yeah. them feel? And it, it starts at the interview process. The interview process is really that, I guess it's the dating. If you made the analogy, real world, yes. it's like when we're dating, how did you feel on that first date? That really goes a long way. That's going to be etched in that person's brain for the rest of time. And it's either a great memory or it's an awful memory. As we think about making that good first impression, a lot of interview process, start with a phone screen. How do you stand out on a phone screen? A phone screen yeah. seems so check the box thing. Is there a way to stand out early on in the interview process, even at those early stages, like in a phone screen? I think there is. I think for a lot of the junior candidates that we work with, it's about making them comfortable. Mm. It's about tonality. For example, I have some hiring managers that are no BS straight to the point and just drill in and ask the tough questions. And that works for some candidates. But I also have some hiring managers that begin with a really empathetic, kind, soft tone and explain the day to day of the role and the company, along with asking them questions about their background. I think it's kind of a dance, Tyler, like you mentioned, it is like dating. It's, I'm going to give a little, you're going to get a little. And that's what I've seen the most success with being like, wow, I just got off the phone with this hiring manager. It was so smooth. It was so easy to talk to them. And then from then on, from the rest of the interview process, they're feeling like they're special, like they're the one, which is a great feeling. Yep, exactly. And it goes a long way. So let's dig into a little bit more to those questions. As a hiring manager or whoever sales manager, what should you be asking of these candidates throughout this process? What should you want to find out? This is a great question. And I think it's important because at Vendition, we work with a lot of junior reps. So people aren't going to have 10 years of professional work experience, or they're not going to have any SDR SaaS selling experience. So it's important, I believe, to pull from behavioral questions and situational questions. I think behavioral questions really assess the candidate's accomplishments and also their storytelling ability. A lot of companies will ask the question, hey, tell me about a time that you have seen a success. And so even if they just worked at Starbucks for the past three and a half years while at college, if they have the ability to tell a story where they made an impact on a customer or a colleague, that's really important. And I think situational questions are good because that assesses how the candidate can think on their feet and their critical thinking skills. The manager by no means is expecting them to be an expert prospector, but if they're able to talk about their thought process on how they would tap into a certain account or reach out to a certain prospect, you're seeing the wheels turn for those critical thinking skills. I think a mix is good. And once again, I want to emphasize doing your best to try to make the candidate feel comfortable so they're not bogged up with nerves and then they can't answer some of these relatively simple questions. That makes sense. As a hiring manager going through this recruiting process, in those tell me about a time questions, are you comfortable with the candidates giving you both personal stories from their personal background, as well as maybe more professional leading stories, especially for some of these more junior candidates who don't have five, 10 years of professional experience? Are you comfortable with either or should they skew towards things that are leaning professional? What are your thoughts there? I will say, yes, I like to hear personal examples or success stories, but let me put an asterisk there. <laughs> it has to be relevant. I don't want to hear something that's not relevant. When you're telling me a personal example, I want to hear your values coming through. I want to hear your mm. strengths through. I want to hear your resilience coming through. 
If you can do that, yes. But I do caution people, Tyler, from going on a tangent about some personal experience. You're in an interview. This is a professional setting. I do encourage you to stick to more professional examples unless you have a really great personal story that makes you who you are. And I like your point of making it personal and relevant. Let's not just bring out that personal story that's out of left field that you love to tell around the dinner table with your buddies, but it makes no sense in a professional setting and it doesn't add any value to the actual conversation at hand. That's so important. What about the typical questions, Gabby? We all hear the question, tell me about yourself. Do you think those questions, are they good? That's typically a question that a candidate might prepare for because it's asked so often. Because a hiring manager Should you ask those common questions where you're going to probably get a stock answer they prepared for? Or do you like avoiding those? What's your thoughts there? I think the tell me about yourself question is extremely important. And yes, I know people prepare for that as they should. But the reason being is because usually that's asked right at the beginning of an interview, Tyler. And you have to be able to entice that interviewer in the first 30 to 45 seconds, just like you would a prospect. So if you can't grab me right there, the interview might go south. I do think that's a good one also because a lot of candidates share some of that more personal information, whether they work their way through college, whether they come from a single mother or a single father, whether they come from an immigrant background, whatever they think is relevant to their values and their skills. So I do like that question, despite it being (laughs) a bit cheesy and overused. It is cheesy and overused, but there's a million different answers. And I think that's what's important is that nobody answers that question the same way. And even if you prepared that answer, there's probably something new or some new little nuance that you might pull out. And I think that's important. At the end of the day, we talked about this being like dating. We're trying to get a feel for their personality. Are you trying to figure out, can they do the role versus can I stand this person? You know what I mean? Because you work closely, that hiring manager going out on a limb, that sales manager is going to be working closely with this person. How much of it is just likability versus they can do the job? Is it both evenly or is it mainly can they do the job and I can just put up with those people? I think the majority of it is can they do the job, but I do think a good 30, 40% of assessing a candidate is can I work alongside this person? A lot of the managers that I work with will pose the question to me, can I see myself grabbing a coffee or a beer with this individual? And I like that because I do think it's important to think about that. Despite us being in a remote world, you're going to be chatting with this individual all day nonstop. So yes, I think personability and personality is huge, but I also think you have to have the skills to do the day-to-day of the role. Exactly. It's definitely more skewed towards the skills. I think if you was a complete miss on personality, if the answer was I could never grab that beer with that person, that might be a deal breaker. Correct. Totally. Awesome. What mistakes do you see companies making throughout this process as they're doing all this recruiting and interviewing and trying to find the right fits for their sales team? What mistakes are people making? I'm grateful because I've worked with a lot of companies who do this very well, but also with being at Vendition for over three years, I've also seen some companies just totally miss out on some A-plus players. I would say number one mistake, moving too slow missing out on a candidate because you have FOMO. Oh, I don't want to push X forward because I want to see ABC and YZ the following week. No, if, if they're a good candidate, they're going to get swooped up. So you better schedule next steps to keep them warm and engaged in the process. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, no feedback provided when a candidate is rejected or pushed forward. I actually encourage companies, despite you moving forward or rejecting a candidate, to always provide feedback because even if you really like 
an individual, maybe they went on a long-winded tangent or maybe they were talking over you or maybe they didn't close you at the end of the call. And having that feedback is invaluable. And that also allows you to assess their coachability skills. So I think that's a great thing to include in the process. Third, lack of selling when extending an offer. It's just such a bummer when I extend an offer to a candidate and the manager never reaches out, never congratulates the candidate. And it's like, it feels not real. It doesn't really feel like you've been extended a real offer because those team members aren't sharing excitement or encouragement for your hard work during the process. So you got to sell. Taking this back to our conversation, it's a dating game. When a manager extends an offer, they're being vulnerable. It's like this two-way street that we always have to follow. And the fourth thing I'll say is some companies only have a one-step interview process. This is rare, but I think that an individual needs to meet at least two to three folks on the team in order to fully understand if they can actually work there. Making them feel comfortable. I'm glad you brought up number four because that should be number one on the list is let's not have a one-step interview process. That just makes my skin curl. You talked about moving too slow, but if you go too fast and you skip steps, can't you get burned? Because I feel like sometimes in interview processes, people can really show up well on one call for one person. They do a great job. And the next thing you know, you didn't ask those right questions. You didn't get that other perspective. You didn't put them through a short little example of, can you do X, Y, Z for me and get some more feedback from them. I feel like as much as we're getting feedback and should be giving feedback to the candidates, they are doing the same for us. And every example is a touch point of, are they going to do the job? Can they follow up? Are they going to actually care about this entire process? And if you only do one or two steps, especially with only one person, the likelihood of that panning out, you're just leaving yourself open to a lot of possibilities that are probably not great. Have you just seen that crash and burn every time? Or has there ever been that one-step interview process that works out great, that it just happened to magically fit? There is one company that I work with. I've worked with them for over two and a half years. So we do one-step interview process, but it's a three-hour panel and it's a one-step. So they do meet multiple people in one sitting. And the reason, Tyler, they do that is because of the relationship I've built with the company. I know what they're looking for in a candidate. And ultimately the candidate does get to chat with a slew of team members. So that works out, but I do agree with you. My ideal is somewhere between two to three steps. And I say two, because you can still throw an assignment in there as well in between steps one and two and fully assess the candidate. I think that's what works best. The SDR market is hot. People move fast. I hate to see candidates get swooped up. So that's my overall rule of thumb, two to three steps. That makes sense. And you talk a little bit about your role. Gabby, describe to us a little bit more about what role do you play in this process between these candidates and the clients? I'm sure some are wondering, what do you actually do at Vendition? What's your role? I am playing matchmaker over here, strategic matchmaker. I am working with our candidates very much so to figure out what they're looking for in a professional new home, small, mid-sized, large. Where do they want to go after the SDR role? What do they want in their manager? Really hearing all of that. And then I'm working with our companies to figure out what do they want in an ideal hire? Soft skills, technical skills, background. Do they want to go grab a beer or coffee with them frequently? These types of things are really important and doing my best to make it strategic. And something that I try to pride myself on is we don't send volume. The ideal ratio is about three to five candidates per one hire. Wow. Really, I want you to interview three to five candidates and hire one of them. And that's why it's strategic because it's, it's all about listening to both sides and what they need and want. 
I'm glad you brought that up because that was actually my next question is how many candidates should a company see? It sounds like there's a lot of variables at play there. How did you land on three to five? What does that process look like for you? And then is it different for other companies? Should other companies be looking at less candidates or maybe even more candidates? How does that number change, do you think? Let's zoom out. I think it's important when you're looking to hire an SDR to do a lot of work prior to interviewing. So Mm. you work closely with the companies prior to setting up interviews to figure out their ideal candidate and process. And so once I hear that, I then go back to my candidate pool and think about who's going to be the best fit for this type of opportunity. And so that's why I have that three to five number, because that's historically what we've seen in the past three years. And it's a number that we pride ourselves on because we don't don't want you to interview 10 candidates. We're not a staffing agency. At the end of the day, yes, we are recruiting and doing a lot of the grunt work, but we also are very strategic about it, which is why I love working here. So it sounds like three to five is pretty low in terms of if you had an open rec for a sales job, typically if you weren't working with a recruiting firm or have a partner, how many folks would you typically need to interview in order to find a good hire? Sometimes the companies we work with before they've started with us have interviewed over 30 candidates. And made zero hires at that point. And made zero hires. Dozens and dozens of folks. If you've looked at 30 people and you've hired none, what went wrong there typically? What mistakes did you make? Because that seems like a lot of people to go through to not find one that you thought was a good fit. That's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of time. (laughs) It's a lot of time. I think it's mainly the avenues with which some of these companies are sourcing. A lot of these managers have their entire day-to-day role to do and recruit for a new SDR. There's just no time. And so they're filtering through inbound leads. As you know, LinkedIn apply is quick and easy and you can get a lot of folks. Yeah, (laughs) you can get a lot of folks your way. And so we're really grateful for our career advising team because they do all that grunt work. They sift through the candidates to assess communication, coachability and grit, et cetera, which makes our hiring partners lives a lot easier. Exactly. And I think you've got to make that decision as we talk about, do you use an outsourced firm or do you try to do this in-house? As people are trying to make that decision, especially when they're just getting this started, what things should they be thinking about, Gabby, whether to outsource or insource their hiring process? I think that it depends on your bandwidth, how much time you have and time is money. So are you willing to spend 15 to 20 additional hours a week recruiting for an SDR? Or do you want to hire a company like Vendition and get a solid candidate within two and a half weeks? I think the companies we work with are in the mid-size startup stage, high growth, a ton of work on their plate. And so we really help offload that work because we know how busy our clients are. That makes a lot of sense. What haven't we touched on yet, Gabby? If if there's a startup company out there, there's a leader out there trying to figure out how do I hire new sales reps? What should I be doing? Anything we haven't touched on yet that you want to make sure that they know? I would just say lead with empathy and kindness. Be specific about why your company is unique, what value you add to the market and be efficient. Don't have FOMO. Don't (laughs) think that if you like someone, you need to see five to six other folks. Once you get that feeling as a hiring manager, trust your gut, run with it. I think that's really important. Treat these candidates with the respect that they deserve. I think that's really important. Set expectations that are viable and ultimately just be open. Be open to young junior folks, people who don't have prior SDR experience, because that's what our whole business model is. And we've seen success for over six years. I think you should give people a shot who maybe you don't initially think would be the best SDRs. 
Awesome. Love it. Thanks, Gabby, so much. If my listeners want to find out more about you online, how can they do so? Connect with me on LinkedIn, Gabriella Cuevas. I'm active and always on LinkedIn. I'd love to chat about anything regarding this topic. Perfect. We'll link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Gabby, thanks so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll have to do it again soon and talk about what you've learned in a few years. Thanks so much, Tyler. Happy to be here. Perfect. Thanks, Gabby. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas. Now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.